0: Welcome to the RPG Design Panelcast, presenting the very best recorded panels and seminars related to game design and publishing. This panel has been made possible thanks to the kind contributions of the panel speakers and presenters at Metatopia 2019. Episode 254, Using and Representing Science in RPGs and LARPs. Presented by Mary-George Skew, Sharang Biswas, and Brianna Shuttleworth. <laughs> <laughs> this is our own thing. Okay. okay, cool. Uh, so, should, should we
1: just we take a side? Uh,
0: if you want to, Uh, let me jump
1: you from the day. It might be okay to just make this a round table. Yes, yeah, so that's, that's what we did in our
0: table. other night. Yeah. Come sit with us here you presenting to like an empty like, or yeah.
1: might be worth so Oh,
0: you can't see the slides of are thing oh, here, yes. right? So. Yeah.
1: Okay, cool. Which Mary
0: lovingly made. I I love you both, so I really
1: just wanted to be uh, with images so, uh, so you can see what's going on. Um, All right, so, so let's get started with so a uh We've <laughs> our very own intro. Um, can <laughs> we be real? Uh, using and representing science in RPGs and
0: labs. I'm Mary Dujuskin. I'm Brianna Showery. I'm Sharon Biswas. Um, so just
1: to lay out, I guess, a formal definition. Um, so science, we're talking about the intellectual and practical activity of encompassing uh, the systematic study of structure, behavior, uh, the physical, and natural world, through observation and experimentation. Uh, so let's do some instructions. So I'm Mary again. Um, I, for this convention, have brought Starry Messengers uh, to talk about scientific communities and um, essentially the development and ideation of an idea through uh, quiet means, basically, like not having kind it of presented. Um, I've been interested in science uh, since I was working uh, in art as well. Um, I've done biology photography in SVA. I've also worked on uh, one-page RPG, looking at um, uh, I guess like biological tattoos and like the way of representing biological tattoos. I'm um, also interested in pulse
0: controllers, um, and I made an uh, escape room that like talks about uh, AI. So. Uh, uh, I'm Sharon Biswas. Um, I have two engineering degrees. And then I said no. And then I went to art school. (laughs) I mean, I still have them. I did not get the degrees. But I did, uh, yeah, I went to art school. Um, I'm really interested in linguistics. That's something I studied a significant amount uh, in undergrad. Um, And so this is a game called Basic Principles of Incantation for Persons of Reading and or Talent. Um, And it is a game about, um, it's an interactive theater piece slash Summy larp where the audience plays students learning magic from a Victorian scholar-magician, but the magic system that my design partner Max and I wrote is based on real-world principles of phonetics, phonology, and a little bit of morphology. Um, and we wrote a full, by full, I mean a 20-page uh, textbook. That the players must go through and study and learning real linguistics principles, as well as fake magic principles, in order to um, progress in the game. Uh, and that's another screenshot of that. Uh, and then um, this is uh, um, uh, Lucian Khan, who is also at the convention, and I um, got a grant recently to make a book of LARPs, uh, 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 to edit a book of LARPs. Um, Bringing together designers from different different designers uh, about sex positivity. Now, not all of them need to be um, informational. That's not the point of the grant. But one of the things that the EFF Foundation stands for is about education and correct things about sexuality. So they all have to be not misinformational. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was actually an interesting point. And we are, we have the EFF Foundation look at all the labs. Um and. Um, couple of the lots are also kind of sci-fi, so not real science, but sci-fi, so yeah. Um, and uh, Feast is a game about eating food, and I think it's interesting because I'm, I'm working on a couple of other food games, um, Brianna curated one of them once, um, but um, I'm wo- actually working on a game, um, I'm in the early stages about the linguistics of menu design, wow. uh, and I'm like up on that, mainly one book, um, and I'm thinking of like again real world things to bring into this game. So, um, that's the game that was um, curated by uh, in one of her exhibitions. Um, it doesn't involve science that much, but it continues with the tradition of food things that I'm doing. Um, so, yeah.
2: Hello, I'm Brianna. This is the only RPG I've made. Um, okay, only David for RPG I've made. Um, this is Moonstairs Out of the Sin Shame. This is an um, RPG
1: mm-hmm. that's really mm-hmm. near and dear. Uh, wait, can I ask, what's the name of this? Is this is like all my slides? It's, it's all your slides. Really cool. okay, okay, so, so I'm in deep. deep. I don't know. I, I know, know. I know you're going deep. In deep. Um, I'm actually, actually maybe going to give me a break yeah. today honestly okay that's what i
2: wanted to make sure i
1: wasn't i wanted to just keep on no no no, no. Okay. It's like um,
2: so, so a lot of the what I've
1: wondering like can we can we be more realistic with our terms and our representations of science um, in games? How
0: do we feel? So I think um, there's the one thing is um, do like using terms like the cerebral cortex and the right ventricle Betrays some sort of tone for the game, right? So depending on what tone you want the game to have, you're going to use different sorts of words, or at least a good designer would use different sorts of words, right? So for example, the linguistics game that I did is meant to be a tone of stuffy Victorian scholar magicians, right? So I purposefully wrote the language to use as much linguistics jargon as possible that sounds weird and sounds... Uh, affected to, to do uh, something with the tone. So, if for example uh, I was making a sci fi game about like deep space scientists working together, I would try and use more of the like, ah, yes, your myocardium is arrhythmic. Now let us try diagnosing the possible um, defects in your cellular strata, right? Uh, while well if the focus of the game is more about let's be swashbuckling you don't want to, the, 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 the language you use betrays the tone a bit right, yeah. and of course there's also added to that a level of like accessibility, right, so if I if I, if I start saying oh um, I don't know, uh, in this game we're going to make sure that everyone's that the, the, the Krebs cycle is not, dis- not disrupted by the wrong coenzymes you might be like, "The fuck are you talking about, <laughs> right?" Um, because that's in, that's very specialized intracellular chemical reactions, right? Um, and so you want to be like, "Is the audience gonna even know what I'm talking about?" Uh, and uh, how do we balance that? Uh, because is that the focus of the game? Is that the audience of this game? Like, what, you know, I think that um, becomes a question um, about how how accurate you want the terms to be or precise, I would say, not accurate, because you always get more and more precise um, Mm -hmm. by using more of these precision terms.
1: Um, In terms of research, uh, I actually want to jump back to uh, the Ethnic Foundation project, Um, because I'm very curious uh, working with other uh, designers if they had as much of a learning curve with uh, biology as I did. It was very, very interesting, because I think it was such a um, specific and um, it had a lot to do with res- researching biology and like uh, human sexuality mm-hmm. so i'm curious like how other um designers maybe like interacted with this kind of a challenge in yeah
0: particular. um i so i did not ask each submitted designer what their research was yeah. and i so i for example did a, i went through seven iterations before i s- decided on a game that I wanted to use for this, my contribution to this, right? But I was, read, I read very widely, so I was reading like Foucault and like Catholicism and sin and sex, right? Uh, was one thing. Uh, what else was I reading? Um, I don't even remember, because it's read a lot, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I remember reading very widely, but I didn't, because my game, my ultimate thing ended up being very like Based on my experience and my observation, so I ended up not being as research-focused. Even though I'd done a lot of background reading um, for it. Oh, and I read—I read the whole this whole book that I got at NYU called "Not Gay: Sex Between Straight White Men," which is a sociological text, Uh, right? So I was reading a lot of the social aspect, and sociology is a social science, so. and, and I, but I was using that more as an inspiration point, yeah. rather than the game is going to um, use and address these, unlike the linguistics one, which is literally the game uses these, and, and the, ga- is, the game is a, is a class lesson, right? So it, it takes the form of U.S. students in a classroom. Yeah. So I'm actually teaching them phonetics, uh, and then saying they use them to do magic. Um, the other design, the, the game that made it through the end, not I don't think any of them are very, like, one of them that made it to the near the end, but didn't make it the final cut, so we funded them part way, was about abortion and abortion clinics, and they actually had sensitivity readers who were, like, physicians and laws and things, so they had a much more, like, this is, we must be accurate in this, this is important, things like that, uh, and then we had one designer who uh, early on who uh, went to withdraw who was doing much, a much more historical game about disease, about I think syphilis transmission in a historical setting? And so they, being a uh, uh, academic, had knowledge of that as well, and they were bringing that in. Um, but not everyone is or was, because not all the games don't really, most of the games are about the social and the um, ideas about sex, yeah. uh, which I think is really interesting. Can I keep talking about yeah, no, that? No, I think it was really interesting because I was at a, a lecture at Columbia a week ago uh, about the release of a new book called Testosterone: An Unauthorized Guide, Unauthorized Biography, and what, it was written by a bioethicist and a cultural anthropologist, and they did a lot of hard science research, uh, as a not bench research, but they did a lot of secondary source hard science research. But their thesis of the book is a lot about the social construction of science, mm. right? Because as society, not even as, even, you know, we have specialists in the sciences because there is too much science for, everyone, for any one person to ever yes. know, right? Yeah. And so um, there, is a, there, is, there are mechanisms of spreading certain uh, knowledge and facts about science to society. And those mechanisms are very subjective, yes. right? The practice of science we like thinking is super, super objective, but it isn't, right? Yes. Because there are subjective ideas that create the experiment, that interpret the experiments. We all know that statistics can be massaged again, okay. right? Yeah. right? Um, and so um, the that was really illuminating, thinking of that, like, um, we, like, there are ideas that have taken root in popular imagination that are wrong. And science for many years has known as wrong, but we it's still in popular imagination. So then what but we think of it as science, right? And then there they're things that we think, yeah, that's correct, but then years later when like, actually the scientific method used for that is not correct. Like for a while it was and it was no longer science, right? Um, so like the social and the science are much more intertwined than we, as humans, we are logical people, yeah. like to think. Uh, yes, absolutely. So. Um, I I had a thought on that. Um. Oh, no. Can I ask a question? Yeah, yeah um,
1: When you're
2: thinking about creating or using any sort of research, oh. Of- oh. okay. when you're thinking about using any sort of research in the game, I think you were kind of talking about it do you feel like it's your job to educate your audience
1: versus just using the systems of the science to
0: express point? I think that's an artistic choice, right? Um, so like in basic principles, for example, I wanted to make a game mm-hmm. that used real linguistics. I did that partly because it was easy, yeah. right? It was easy. I want to make a robust system. It is easier to borrow parts of an existing robust, which is real and robust. Linguistics is a long studied you know, social science. Um, and I'm like, yes, these are things I can use those as methods. But right? I'm, I'm working, I have a ghost of an idea to do what about geometry next. Right? I'm talking to a non-theorist about this. Um, um, and, I, and, I, and in there I'm like, well, I want, the aim when I weigh the game wasn't I want to educate but I was like, I want to use real world, and so i going to end up educating. But I think that is your, like, decision, right? Of course, at, at some point, the social thing comes up again, right? At some point, you want to be like, will this be believable? Yeah. Or will the, or is this part too distracting? The audience is going to pick it apart, right? Like, like what kind of game is it? Like, like w- you could have a game where pink hippopotamuses power your rockets. Right? In each rocket is a pink hippopotamus Now that is super okay for certain kinds of games not as much okay for other kinds of games. If I'm running a game of Shadowrun uh, you might be like, oh, there's a great game with a lot of dice, a lot of where we care about the minutiae a lot. So we would care about what are the minutiae of a pink hippopotamus characters, right? If I'm playing a much playing a much more free form game, I'm like, yes, in the land of rainbows, pink hippopotamuses, you know. And so, so um, I think that is a stylistic choice dependent on what you want to achieve with the game and what you want to um, um, uh, what you want to say with the game. However. I would say the responsibility happens when you're dealing with topics that are commonly misunderstood by people. So like the abortion clinic yeah. game, I think Making Game about Abortion is very entwined with people misunderstanding and misusing facts. Right, there are a lot of false facts about abortion that are in the world right now. So, depending on because of that topic they chose, I would say they have more of a responsibility to be precise and accurate with the science than I would about rocket fuel yeah. because that's not a controversial, misunderstood like thing yeah. in, in society.
1: I definitely wanted to uh, talk about this because I agree that it's very subjective what science is and science changes all the time. Um, I think it was I was curious in how games can actually help you observe the world around you and um, kind of help you formulate uh, your own opinions about what is going on. So specifically like for Starry Messenger, I was not looking for like what is like the most accurate but it was really crazy because people want me to give them a fact mm. that is like solid in history like um within a time period and
0: really it's a it's a interesting struggle because
1: i want them to um, observe the world around them and react without the constraints of what we already know mm-hmm. but that's asking so much um so it, yeah that's kind of like where i was coming with yeah. I think
0: if we if we do some of them from science and, and go to like facts more generally in history, we become more interesting, right? Because um, there are a lot of games about history yeah. or set in different historical things, and that's where this responsibility might come in more, because there are a lot of false things that people believe, yeah. right? Um, uh, Rebecca Schlitt, uh, the head of choice of editor, chief editor of Choice of Games. Um, she, before she became editor choice of games, she was a historian, right? She has a big in history, and she has this big paper that I've read uh, that talks about the idea that people tend to think of medieval Europe as homogenous yeah. when medieval Europe was far more diverse in terms of race and ethnicity yes. than we think. Like, we don't think about the idea that, yeah, there was a whole Arabian conquest of... Of Spain, and that's not medieval; that's more modern. But even we think of like later on, there's a whole Arabian conquest of Spain, which left a lot of like ethnic mingling and stuff in the area. Uh, there was like people in, in London that were, you know, it was maybe not as diverse as London now, which has like Indian food everywhere. Um, but so there, in history, the idea of fact becomes more interesting because there are a lot of inaccuracies, and I feel a lot of historical games um, perpetuate inaccuracies. But I think that I think my earlier point still stands. Like those things are commonly held inaccuracies, so there's much a little more of a responsibility to try and correct those, mm-hmm. um, ra- because they have those again have social consequences. Our our cre- our imagination of our history has a lot of social consequences to today, right? Which is why playing LARPs like Just a Little Loving which recreates the history of the AIDS epidemic in the 80s, I think is very powerful because it it makes us rethink our imagination of history, which forms what we think about society and ourselves.
1: Yeah, absolutely. interested in, in the games uh, that you've worked with research, um, or maybe even with an observation of nature. Um, how did you go about embedding um, that into your game? And I feel like these, for, um, for me, so interesting because it made my brain work in a very different way. And I feel like that was coming from a conscious understanding that it you had, and you knew that there was something really special about that. So I'm really wondering.
0: Um, sure, so Feast was not based on science, Feast was based on Proust's Madeleine, right? Mm-hmm. Because Proust has the, that whole thing about he ate the Madeleine, which then made him think of his, like, childhood and stuff, and it was based on an art piece, right? It was based on Portrait of Ross in L.A. Did you not know that? No. Mm-hmm. Oh. It was based on um, um, Felix Garcia Torres' Portrait of Ross in L.A., which is, uh, if you look at it, it's a sculpture, sculpture... There's a pile of candy on the floor. Um, and there's a big story. I don't want to go into that necessarily, cause I don't want to talk about my work. Um, but they were very grounded in some sort of artistic experience mm-hmm. and a idea put forth by Proust, what do you call Proust? Was he a philosopher, you could say? He was a philosopher, right? Uh, on this philosophical idea of like food transporting you and food connected to memory. Uh, and I, thi- I, 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 I think there is research on food and memory. I did not read that. Uh, for the game, but I was yeah, connecting to that philosophical idea of food and memory. Um, uh, and I will say that I have been commissioned to make games by organizations, right? And there, research becomes much more of a thing, right? Because there, the game is about learning, and then the, um, the, lots of things come in, right? I remember talking to my co-designer, the last one I made um, for the Ford Foundation, and we're like, I can't talk a lot about it. I can say it's for the Ford Foundation. Um, and there, we, we came to the thing. We're like, OK, well, first off, you know, we're talking about um, you know, Ian Bogos' ideas, right? Like, games are procedural systems. We use processes to do games. Can the processes we use in the game match the process we are trying to model in the real world, right? So we have to understand what is the process we're going model in the real world. We have to talk to the client. We're like, Explain, you are experts in this, explain to us how this works so that we can teach it. Great, now what can we do in the game that models this? That was that, like, it wasn't just the facts, that that's the worst educational game, there are just facts or somewhere in the game as text, yes. right? The, mo- the process you're trying to model must have an analog, not analog process in the term, of non digital, mm-hmm. but analog as a corresponding process right. that we do in the game. Secondly, We were like, okay, well, what are we trying to teach? Whatever we're trying to teach, the decision points that you are putting your mental thought into in the game must be related to those things. At one point, there was a whole resource where we're spending money to do these things, and we're like, pause. Are we trying to teach about the resources that go into doing this thing in the real world? No, this is not teaching about costs of doing this. This is about what is the thing we are doing. So we're scrapping because the player is spending too much time thinking about the costs of their actions. Because we're like, we're making a strategy game. Money is, currency is involved. We're like, no, 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 no. We're not trying to teach money. We're trying to teach these. So like, focusing on the real, the science or whatever that you're trying to teach uh, and embedding that fully into the game so that the players are thinking of that um, was really important when making learning games. Yeah. For me. But you have made a lot of science sort of gather, not learning games necessarily, right? The moon stuff. Yeah,
2: yeah, I mean, that wouldn't be necessarily, no, it's not for learning. That's literally me just taking research that I'm having and putting it into a design. Yeah. So I tend to think anytime, anytime I'm learning something, the best way for me to learn about it is to make a game about what I'm learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll take concepts of, in the moon game, there's a lot of, uh, there's a bit about anger and how we deal with anger and how we perceive anger based off of uh, gender and different kind of biases. So for me, I really wanted to explore this idea that anger is not bad. Anger is just an emotion that we feel. Um, so it kind of led a train of thought, and I found a mechanics yeah. based on that.
0: Yeah, I think I think that's an interesting point, that, that I think science, yeah. like a lot of things, can be a great inspiration source, mm-hmm. right? So my master's thesis, which was awful, um, but I spoke really eloquently about it, so you know. Um, my master's thesis had a whole f- section where you're like finding the lost emotions of the ma- of the protagonist and like stuffing them back in her head, right? Uh, and I'm like, well, so then I did research on the universal basic emotions, mm-hmm. right? And I like, did some psych research, and I decided, okay, these are the emotions that are going to come into play. I did that. Um, but that was more of an inspiration point. It didn't have to be that. I could have picked whatever emotion I wanted, um, but I wanted to sound a bit more official because I was playing a psycho- psych- psychiatrist-psychologist, one of the amount number? that thesis. And uh, I was gonna perform as that, so I wanted to have some scientific stuff I could talk about. Um, but again, it was more a jumping off point, I was like, this is an interesting inspiration source. And I think that's cool because science, like, the, the nature is weird and wonderful, right? There's so much, like, bizarre stuff going on in, on the, in the planet, at the molecular scale, at the atomic scale, on the natural scale, that we, you know, the reason we get stuck in making the same games or the same boards over again again is we don't look at new things for inspiration. Um, I firmly believe that artists of any kind must explore outside of their uh, art that they practice in to get good business. right i teach at the i teach at the program in advanced photographic studies at Bard, right i teach game design to their photography students because their philosophy is you're going to get make better art if you look outside just to be so similarly looking at science is like fascinating and wonderful and can inspire interesting cool things like I think my linguistics game is good are there many games that use linguistics to that degree Mm -hmm. not a lot right like thorny games of work does that and I don't know many major games there's the Korean language learning one Mm -hmm. which is your magician's learning magic but you're actually learning Korean which I would say is less linguistics and more just language Um, but they're not so I think I think I would say Narcissistically, that that was somewhat of an a different or original kind of game yeah. uh, because I relied on something that's untapped.
1: Um, I will say though, it's like really nice to see um, that linguistics is like uh, forefront, I would say, and like the, the way they are playing linguistics is so interesting and um, fascinating. And then there are a lot of designers that are also looking at source earth sort of thing uh, and like, human uh, humans destroying the earth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so I guess in terms of uh, the way I'm looking at it is, like we are thinking a little bit more about like, our impact. And at the very least, I think that the ecological disaster um, attempts to, to show that like, uh, we should change our ways is, is a place where science could have a, a um, so I am actually going to just show, or maybe uh, maybe I'll show that at the end, but um, I think you mm-hmm. talked a little bit already about like challenges of like embedding research, and I talked about it to, because um, people have bring a lot of biases to uh, the idea of science and like, what is right in science, um, and particularly I'm frustrated because it would be which I'm, I'm trying to show that there were much more diverse voices in Italy. It like, was an international court. Like it's not just um, what we would consider European scientists. Like there were uh, brilliant, like Arabic um, scientists at the time and like, It's just not. It's not apparent anywhere. Like that's 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 going to take like heavy research to figure out and to show that um, representation representation stuff. So there is definitely something there that. and the
0: thing
1: the
0: challenge is the the challenge is interesting because you brought up linguistics and you brought up environment right and that is interesting because when people play games that are analog right digital games are often different Uh, I would say even more different when people are playing role playing games on a lot which is I would say the field I work in more. We and I don't think that's the field we necessarily work in more. But I work more in that field. Um, those are games about storytelling and creation of story, right? And stories are most compelling when they involve aspects of humanity, individuality, and, and or society, right? And so, if you are using science, like the challenge, right, is that if you if you want to make a game science to fake or based on science or whatever. Um, and you're making a game that's stories-based, you have to find a way to connect that science to the stories, yeah. right? That this is the same reason why fundamental science research gets a bad rep, right? Why are we study, spending so much money um, analyzing the life cycle of a nematode, right? Like what does this do to us? Because we don't know the full story that studying the cycle of a nematode lets us study, like, I don't know, DNA in a very simple way without the complexities of a more annoying organism, and that can be used in lots of things. Or we're studying fruit flies a lot because we can do a lot of experiments with fruit flies that teach us about so many other things, right? So fundamental research often gets a bad rep because we can't connect the human story to it. Yeah. So same thing, if you're trying to make a game embedding embedding science, it's easier to use sciences or branches that already have a lot of human connection. Mm-hmm. Environmental sciences are clearly about human in- impact. Um, social sciences are called social sciences. Yeah. They're about humans. Yeah. Uh, so that is like, if you want to make a game about, um, I don't know, uh, quark interactions, uh, It's different if it's like a puzzle game, but if you want to make a role-playing game, you want to think about how does this translate into human stories. I think that uh, otherwise, you will only get people who are like, "I am interested in quark interactions to play that game." How many people even know enough about quark interaction to play that game? Those people probably don't have any time to play that game as well, right? Um, So I think that's one of the challenges. Like, how do you make if, if if you have a specific scientific thing that you want to make a game out of, how do you connect that to human stuff? And I don't think it's possible, that that's the challenge. that you have to figure out as a game designer, artist. Okay. And
1: then I think we already kind of this too: um, can science be both educational, yes. yeah. yes. absolutely? Yes,
0: that's your job as the game designer. Yeah. Um, Otherwise, you're not doing it well if it's not enjoyable or or whatever. uh, Exactly, unless uh, can in many times, yeah, they can have whatever aesthetic you want it to have if you do it well. right? It could be boredom and terror, but yeah. So, okay, so this is getting back to
1: like some examples of games uh, that I was looking at that have science in some way, but this is also social science, very much so. so. Uh, so, shut down to lunch because yeah, it was really, really good. I think it's really relevant to talk about. Uh, Jason, what's uh, our aim? Just a quick explanation is that a bunch of engineers need to fix a problem with a rocket engine uh, in the room really time before launch, and it won't go well. Um, so, I ran this for, for your class, and it was uh, very fascinating, um, because I... I wasn't quite sure which group was supposed to be uh, the different gender groups. So it was specifically supposed to be um, discussing how uh, women also get talked over, um, or other genders to get talked over when, uh, in an engineering environment, and that is so true, coming from an engineering background. Um, but it also did something else, which was very interesting. Uh, and I don't know if Jason knows that he, uh, he did this, looking at it in a different lens, um, but engineers do have uh, jargon that they use for certain things in offices, the microcultures. Um, so not only was it uh, very relevant in talking about uh, gender studies, but it also was relevant in like showing um, uh, that social element of like the things happening in what most people consider to be like I guess fixed fixed, fixed objects like this is a rocket or whatever, right. but, but actually, engineers the themselves, teams themselves teams use jargon together. together. So Jordan again, it's like, like they, they, won't, they won't call that part, that, that part. Um, it, if they're working they're on a design, the they'll like, make little short hands hands to themselves. themselves. Um, so it's kind of fascinating in that way. Um, and the other game that I wanted to bring up uh, that is here uh, this weekend was uh, In the US entirely. and and I, I feel like really, 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 Will occur because in Harvard, you get to play as an artificial intelligence that is inhabiting and regulating really part of a forest ecosystem. Um, four political intelligences are the trees, the swarm, the network, the cloud, which I think you have tons of elements of that, and you're looking at like um, anger at like, and like anger resolution basically. Um, and here, um, she's looking at like artificial intelligences, so I don't know, I thought it was nice. Um, do you want to talk about the name a little more? I don't know. I, I feel, feel like this would be the only necessary way to go back to yeah. it. Like, and go to
2: mentors. A little bit. Yeah. Connection. Mm-hmm. So, uh oh. Uh, the prereq was I did a lot of, I found a I researched a lot about empathy, and it just, like, the context of where that word came from, and it led me to the mirror neuron, and how this kind of changed how we view empathy in the world, and through a lot of branches and late nights, um, not actually through a lot, just, like, very quickly, um, that look at empathy within different gender roles, and how it's viewed one way, is like, uh, empathy is often looked at, like, being too emotionally grounded and not being very rationally based its a kind of taking away from a position of power. Um, this kind of made me feel very angry. This is more reactive, not necessarily. When I do research, I'm also very emotionally, I am emotionally grounded when I'm doing research. Um, so it led me to look at how we view anger at all um, and kind of the perception of anger within uh, there's a really good book called Rage Becomes Her, um, and it just explores this topic for 200 pages and goes through the history of even how we've looked at anger through gender, through different sort of racial backgrounds, um, and it's just it's really fascinating because I guess one of the things that I never okay not never uh, to find that uh, anger and masculinity tends to be seen as a positive trait. Um, kind of blew me away because for me growing up it's always been viewed as a negative. It's like if you're angry, you need to calm down. Where when it is presented generally from a male, um, it's it's seen as a sense of leadership, showing dedication. Um, and at the same time, uh, women are often pushed away from that starting at a very, very young age. So this is also a social science. So I wanted to use this in my game, so I created a full system about anger and how you can't in in the game you can't really control your anger, so the GM is kind of hiding this behind a veil, and you're only aware of being malicious or dishonest will move you forward with your knowledge, but there are other points that might move you towards anger, um, and you're kind of learning about your character trait as you're progressing, so maybe it's that Noah's character doesn't like people who are egotistical. So every time she's in an environment where there's an egotistical person, her anger meter just gets moved up slightly until it hits a point of break where they become a witch. Um, And the witch is not actually a bad thing in this game. I wanted to play with the idea of anger being seen in positive. Um, So it's actually the most powerful thing. It's very overpowered. It's a limited thing that you can do.
0: Themed and very large audience. (laughs) No, I didn't mean to say you're very large. Sorry, that came out very wrong.
2: The 50 people just fine. This is just for
0: you. Huge, huge audience.
1: They're
0: huge. I okay. Thank you. Yay. Okay, thank you. Do you have any questions? Yeah, do you have any questions? It's okay if you don't. Oh, okay. Okay. This is very interesting. So, uh, when uh, we published Mad Science Foundation, so my co-designer Max Saldman and I went to Cryptozoic Entertainment and they wanted to buy Mad Science Foundation, which is a game about scientists fighting for grant money, uh, mad scientists trying to fight for grant money to take over the world. Okay? Um, One thing we went and we said, hey, uh, we know this is not our decision but we want this to be in the contract that you will try, and that's very, very great, we'll try what mean, We want to be in the contract, at least somewhat, to make sure that the scientists are represented uh, from diverse backgrounds. So and We said we would like there to be 50% uh, male scientists, 50% not male scientists. We would like there to be scientists of different ethnic background. We'd like to be different ages. Because although we told them, otherwise, when you say the word scientist, it's right, very easy to be like old white man with, with Einstein hair, right? Yes. Um, and they actually were very receptive. The Cryptozoic um, team would recommend working with, they're very good to work with, um, were very receptive. like, this is such a good idea. And when I went to Gen Con to demo the board game for them, um, for, for the customers who were buying the game, they said they were going to try and make this a Thing for all their games. Uh, I don't know if they did because yeah. I don't know the inner workings of their yeah. stuff, but they did say they wanted to, uh, which is very good because yes, scientists are often shown as you know, um One thing that uh, I think Hakan and Kate Himes do well in Xena language and their prototypes I've seen is you are playing, you know, all of you are playing scientists in this mm-hmm. observatory. The game is inspired by the movie, um, the linguistics alien movie um, Arrival. Oh, okay. Uh, but all you're playing, uh, but like you have, you're super diverse. You pick whatever traits, of, so you know, like, and you can be whatever kind of scientist you want. Uh, and, and I think, I think having representation of different kinds of scientists is, is obviously we all agree it is important. Yeah. Um, but allowing that to be in your games is within you to embody that.
1: In the case of what I was, uh, what I am working on, um, I definitely wanted to show that scientists are not working in isolation. So I wanted to break that. Um, I, I so desperately wanted to break that because it's not. It science doesn't exist in a vacuum. People don't exist in a vacuum. And I think this part goes back to what you were talking about. Um, you you have to look at it very holistically and like look at the the grand scheme of things. Um, it specifically, uh, what I was looking at was Galileo's daughter, and like uh, Galileo could talk to himself all day long, but nothing was going to progress forward unless uh, his his daughter basically um, responded to him, was like encouraging, like it, it's just the human nature. Like you're, if you think that your ideas are bad, you're just not going to talk to. S- you're not, not going to publish, publish something, something unless you, like, confer mm-hmm. it with someone And he's actually
0: an interesting point about the myth of the, like, lone genius, yeah. right? Yeah. Which is big in the in uh, fine arts yeah. and in science, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, Where either, even the Nobel Prize is, like, before it used to be this one person. And sometimes, you know, what's-his-name did inoculate himself with H. pylori and get diseases to show love pictures of cause the disease. <laughs> Right. Yeah. But that's very rare. Most of it's a whole team doing work together. Yeah, there are absolutely. people that were uncredited. Like people talk about that happens in business all the time, right? Entrepreneurs who are like like um, Jeff Bezos, mm-hmm. the self made yeah, but that's because while he was trying to do Amazon, his wife was like supporting him, right? Yeah. That's, that's really interesting about the scientists himself and the community that supports them. Yeah. Thank you.
1: That was, that was an awesome question. question. Yeah. Yay! Yay. Thank, Thank you so much. Thank you so
0: much, enormous audience. Okay. Yay! Do you have to do anything to shut all this down? Oh, uh, I think I'll just yeah. put staff. Oh, okay. I cool. Yeah, I think Jason Pietro puts this on the pod on his like website, right? Yes. Thank you. Yay. Okay. Sorry,
2: I'm yawning a lot.